Have you ever felt trapped in a high-paying job, chained to a life that's slowly slipping away? Day after day, the same routine, the same unfulfilling work, and the constant longing for something more? If you're nodding your head right now, feeling that weight on your shoulders, then this is the podcast you've been waiting for. Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show. I'm Brian O'Neill, and I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. I've been in that prison too, sacrificing precious moments with my family, feeling the regret and resentment build up inside. But guess what? There is a way out, and together we're going to break free. Each episode, we'll dive deep into the stories of incredible individuals who have successfully made their escape, who have turned their dreams into reality, and who now live lives filled with purpose, joy, and abundance. But we won't stop at inspiration alone. We'll equip you with the tools, strategies, and mindset shifts needed to break through the barriers that have held you back for far too long. Together, we'll ignite your entrepreneurial spirit and unleash the business genius within you. It's time to take action, to shatter the chains that bind you, and to embrace a future filled with unlimited possibilities. The W2 Prison Break Show is your key to unlock the door to a life of purpose, fulfillment, and success. I invite you to join me on this transformative journey. Subscribe now to the W2 Prison Break Show and let's embark together on the path to freedom. Remember, it's never too late to break free and live the life you've always dreamed of. Hey there, friend. Welcome back to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Thank you for tuning in this week. If this is the first time you've listened, uh, welcome to the show. I hope it serves you. And for those of you returning, you know how I feel about you. I'm grateful. Thank you. Today, we're talking to a gentleman by the name of Dave Dubow. And I brought him on because if you've been to any of my TikTok lives, and yes, I go live on TikTok for about 60 to 90 minutes every single day, except for Saturday. One of the questions, and there's a lot of real estate investors in there. And the question I get asked, there's two things that I get asked a lot. And Dave's going to answer these questions today. So pay attention. Number one is the statement is, I can't do real estate deals because I don't have any money. We're going to debunk that myth today. And then number two is, how do I find money for real estate deals? How do I raise private capital? That's exactly what you're going to learn today. And we're going to waste any more time. Let's just get right to the episode. Dave, welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show. I'm really excited about what we're going to discuss today. Ryan, it's my pleasure. And I got to tell you, my friend, you've got the best title for a podcast ever. I absolutely love that. So W2 Prison Break. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you for saying that. You said it when I had the honor of being a guest on your show, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But I've got a couple of Really, really important questions to ask you. But first, before we get into that, you know, because you're doing a lot of cool stuff now, maybe just give us maybe like your quick 60 or 90 second or however long you want to take a little bit about, you know, hey, who's Dave and what was he doing and how did you get to where you are now? Sure, Brian. So, name's Dave Debo, Canadian, born and raised. And after graduating from university way, way back, I decided to go see the world, traveled around Mexico, Central America, ended up living and working in San Jose, Costa Rica, of all places, for a decade. Had a language business down there, language training company, got married, had kids, had a good life, and then decided to move my Costa Rican family to Canada, kicking and screaming, in 2003. And <laughs> everybody goes, what the, especially Canadians go, 
Tropical Paradise, Costa Rica, Frozen Hinterland, Canada. Why? And here's the thing, Brian. We don't realize what we got till we don't got it no more, right? So living overseas made me appreciate North America very, very much. Now, Costa Rica is beautiful, but being the pasty-faced white guy that I am, you know, there are certain challenges. People always assume that you've got a ton of money, whether you do or not, and there's a bit of a target on your back. So nothing nasty ever happened to me, but I know three people that got kidnapped down there. And that hardly ever happens where I live in Canada. So our kids were getting to school age. We decided to move here. I had to start all over again from scratch. I uh, hadn't been able to sell my business, so I didn't have very much money. Had never built up any credit in Canada. Had been self-employed so long as pretty much unemployable. So I landed in a brand new city without any contacts, without much money, and was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I saw one of those. You remember those late night infomercials? I do. Remember these, Brian? You too can get rich in real estate with little or no money down. Right. I said, perfect. That's what I got. So I sent for the course, took it, and uh, took massive action, did 18 deals in 18 months. That's how I got started with real estate investing. Eventually hooked up with a up-and-coming Canadian real estate guru, kind of applied my background in marketing for him and his companies, helped him grow his companies. So took a few years off of active investing myself, jumped back in in about 2010, started doing what's called uh, tenant first or client first rent to own deals. Mm -hmm. And that's when I first started raising capital. And my first experience with that was absolutely disastrous because I did everything wrong. I followed the guru's advice and just waited till I had a good deal and then thought the money would find me. That's not how it worked for me anyhow, Brian. So uh, lost on a really good deal. And that's when I kind of said, you know what, there's got to be a better way. So I came up with my own process for attracting investors and raising capital over the years, I've raised millions of dollars for my own deals, got into multifamily type properties. But more importantly, for the last 10 years or so, we've been working with what I call mom and pop real estate investors, helping them to get rolling with private capital. Yeah, I love it. Beautiful. Okay. So I love that you said no money, no credit, no contacts, no job. And then you did 18 deals in 18 months. And the word I wrote down was action. I took a bunch of action, like, right? You did imperfect action, <laughs> imperfect action, but you took it. You yeah. took action. You didn't stand idly by waiting for something to happen didn't, to you. I'd pretty much burnt my ships there, Brian. I had very few choices. Mm -hmm. So it was like I had to make it work, which was a good thing. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So I want you to debunk a few myths here. One thing you said was interesting, which I'll ask you to expand on, which was find good deals and the money will find you. It sounds like you don't believe that to be true or you have experience with that, that that's not the case. Could you expand on that, please? Yeah, I'd like to find whoever came up with that saying and punch them right in the nose. That's what I'd like to do <laughs> because they've done such a disservice for so many people, right? Because on the surface, it sounds good and it seems like it would make sense. But here was my experience, Brian is unless we've laid down some groundwork ahead of time, you know, my particular situation was it was a single family home. I only had two weeks to come up with the down payment money to be able to close on this deal. Mm -hmm. And because I was under such a time crunch and starting from scratch, everything I did just smacked of desperation. And no matter how good the deal was, my desperation kind of oozed through everything and actually repelled people. So because I floundered about, and then you know, I'd heard other gurus say, if you need to raise money, pick up the phone, start dialing for dollars, cold calling people. Tried that, sucked at that, turned off a lot of really good prospective investors. Other gurus said, hey, if you need to raise money fast, go out, network up a storm, get a really good elevator pitch, turn every conversation into a real estate conversation. 
all that did was make me come across like a network marketer. No offense to anybody, but you know what I mean, right? Just kind of, nobody wants to talk with those folks. Nobody wanted to talk with me. After that experience, I just kind of gave my head a shake and said, hey, you know a thing or two about marketing. Why don't you apply marketing to raising capital? And instead of chasing investors, attract them, right? So much nicer if we get somebody putting up their hand and saying, hey, Brian, tell me about your deals versus us trying to shovel our deals on them. And number two, the other big epiphany was, hey, why wait until I've got a deal? Why not get a bunch of investors lined up waiting in the wings first, then go find the deal? And then number one, I'm going to be able to feel much more comfortable. I'm going to be able to negotiate better. I'm going to have a lot more confidence going into that deal. And number two, as I create a little bit of scarcity, because now I can go to that group of people who've already said, yeah, I'm interested in a deal and say, hey, I got one, first come, first serve. Does that make sense, Ryan? It makes total sense. And I was not the guy who said that. So I'm glad I'm not going to get punched in the nose (laughs) by you. (laughs) I'm not punching anybody, but you know what I mean. I know, I know. But it makes a ton of sense the way that you said it from you're much more confident now going in to do deals, knowing that you got the money in the bank, essentially, right? Um, Well, not necessarily money in the bank. That's not usually how it works. But I've got a bunch of people at least signed off on what we call expressions of interest. So for example, if I know that my average deal, if I'm doing a single family home, easy numbers, let's say I need a hundred grand per deal. You know, if I've got three or four people who've signed off saying they're ready, willing, and able to invest a hundred grand with me, well, now I've got a little bit of supply and demand in my favor instead of being that desperate guy schlepping my deals around. Correct. Okay. Thank you for that. Let's debunk a couple other myths here. Popular statement I hear a lot from real estate investors is, I don't have any money, I can't do real estate deals. Question number two is, or this is the question, is how do I find money for real estate deals? I can't tell you how many people say I need to refinance my house or get a HELOC so I can go do a deal. Well, you know what? That's not necessarily a bad idea, Brian, if it's their first deal, right? Mm -hmm. So I would tend to agree with people when it comes to doing your first deal, getting that proof of concept, getting that experience under your belt, wherever possible, do self-finance your first deal. God knows I did. You know, when I started raising capital, I had already self-financed a couple of single family homes, ran out of cash, ran out of credit. That's when I needed to start raising capital. But then I had proof of concept already. And I had a good answer for people saying, hey, well, why aren't you investing your own money in this deal? Is I could point out those other two properties and say, because my money's tied up over there. That's why I'm offering you this opportunity. So that might not be the answer you're looking for, but bottom line is, if at all possible, do get a HELOC, do pull out money out of your retirement savings, do whatever you need to do to self-finance your first deal in order to have that proof of concept, right? You don't have to do all of your deals, but ideally you do that. So are we talking about somebody that's just getting started here, Brian, or are we talking about somebody who's got a little bit of experience? It's really more on the getting started end. For okay, those so I do have some yeah. practical tips for the people just getting started. Wonderful. So if you're not able to self-finance or you don't want to self-finance your first deal all on your own, there's a couple of options. One would be to partner up with somebody who's actively doing the kind of deals that you want to do and finance that deal and pay to play. So you are the not so much the passive investor on that deal. Your agreement with that active investor is that you want to participate. You want to work. You don't just want to put your money in the deal. You want to learn as you go. And again, by getting that first deal done, now you've got proof of concept. You've piggybacked on the experience of a much more experienced real estate entrepreneur, and you've gotten so many benefits. You've probably tapped into their power team. 
You've probably figured out how to avoid all the mistakes they've made in the past. That is a huge, huge shortcut. Another idea is if you've got some of the money, but not all of the money, maybe you bring on an investor partner, you put in some of your money, you do all the work and you still split profits 50-50. That's okay. Again, just get that first deal done. Where you have no money, but you got some time, kind of usually got one or the other, right? So if you got no money, no time, no clue, no experience, then what you need to do is you need to work to learn. So again, find that experienced operator who's doing what you want to do and bring value to them. Say, hey, you know what? I would love to help you out on a deal. I don't want to work for a salary. I want to work for a tiny sliver of equity ownership in this deal. You determine what that's worth, right? So don't be expecting 50% of the deal for painting a fence. Right? That ain't going to happen. But bring whatever needs to happen to the table. And again, you're going to be pay to play, right? So you're working for free, but you're getting that experience. And again, you don't have to do one or two of these. And then you can point to these deals as proof of concept. Plus, you've got a shortcut to that person's power team, that person's experience. It is a massive shortcut there. And then last but not least, Brian, if you do happen to convince your mom, your dad, your rich uncle, whoever, to come up with the money for your very first deal, and that's about the only people that are going to do that because your family, that's pretty much it. Yep. Then I would recommend that you be extra generous with that person with the profit split. Don't be doing a 50-50 thing. They're putting it all on the line for you to kind of get your feet wet and learn on the job, so to speak. So you might want to, for that first deal... Do the profit split 70-30 in their favor, You know, 80-20 in their favor, 90-10 in their favor, whatever it is, just get, like my friend Barry McGuire says, get the first damn deal done, right? Yeah. That's a big goal. Yeah. Get in the game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh. So you gave four great examples of a variety of different skill levels and financial levels. And really, for everyone listening out there, you're kind of out of excuses now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you 100%, my friend. This is the stuff we hear, right? And it's just, we're just stopping ourselves, but you just gave a bunch of different ways and a bunch of different scenarios on how people can get over this money issue, which we keep thinking like we have to have a bunch of it to be able to do our first deal. And you don't. You don't. You definitely don't. Or, you know, like the 18 deals in 18 months I did, all of those were creative, low money, no money down type deals, Brian. So there are strategies out there that don't require money. You can get in there and shake the tree and get an option on a purchase. You can do sandwich leases. You can do agreements for sale. You can you know, pay a dollar for the deed. You know, all these kind of weird wonky things. You just have to understand how they work and get educated. Totally. All my first deals were no money down as well. So yeah. that's another option. You don't, you truly can buy properties without any money down. You're a living proof and so am I and so are plenty of other people. Okay. Yeah, but don't think it's going to be super easy. Like you had to put some serious effort into finding those deals. Yeah. Those typically are not on the MLS. Your realtor is never going to bring in those deals. You have to really go beat the bushes for those. But thank you for clarifying 100%. If it were that easy, everybody would be doing it. But I think there's an opportunity if you're willing to you know, put the work in and, as you say, imperfect action. Hey there, back to the episode in just a moment. Are you a homeowner in the Chicagoland area who's struggling to sell your home or even own nothing and looking to maximize your price before the market slides? Are you tired of the traditional home selling process that takes months and costs you thousands in fees and repairs? Whether you're facing foreclosure, going through a divorce, or simply need to sell your home fast, WeBuyHousesChicago.org can help. We've been buying homes in Chicago since 2019, and we specialize in helping sellers who are stuck. 
Unlike traditional real estate buyers, we buy homes as is and can close in as little as seven days. No repairs, no inspections, and no fees. Just a fast, hassle-free sale. Let WeBuyHousesChicago.org help you sell your home and move on to the next phase of your life. Call or text us today at 312-500-6121. If you know someone who is struggling to sell their home or simply just wants top price, please share this message with them. As a listener of the W2 Prison Break Show, WeBuyHouseOfChicago.org will pay you for your referral. If you send us a referral and we buy their house, we will pay you a $1,000 referral fee. Simply have your referral mentioned the W2 Prison Break Show. Let's get back to the show. Okay. You mentioned a word earlier about attracting the lenders or the private money, the capital. Yeah. It's not just because I'm so damn good looking either. I mean, I was going to say that, but okay. I I get it a lot. Maybe a tip or two or three about your pivot, how you shifted and what you did to start doing that. Yeah. I mean, for folks that are watching this, you might see this whole thing behind me. This is what I call my money partner formula. We don't have time to kind of go through the whole thing, but bottom line is, what I always recommend to people, Brian, is start with a very specific target group of investor prospects. And if you're just getting started with private capital and bringing on joint venture partners and raising money, you're going to want to start with your existing network first. That's where all the big guys and gals started with. Mm-hmm. And it's just the only logical place to begin because for somebody to invest 50, 75, or 100 grand with you without any track record working with investors, That person needs to know you, like you, and trust you with their money, right? We've heard this a million times. So the shortcut is let's go to a pool of people who we already have most of those pieces of the puzzle taken care of. So we go to friends, family members, coworkers, business associates, people you know from civic organizations, churches, whatever. You've got that pre-existing relationship with them. So they know you, they like you. One way or the other, they have a certain level of trust with you, or at least there's that pre-existing relationship, but you got something solid to build upon. So what I always recommend is start off with, try and come up with a list of about 150 to 200 people, and then let's focus on those folks first. And what I found over the years working with lots of people doing this, Brian, is that most people have you know, somewhere between $1.5 and $3 million worth of capital available to them within their existing network first, before they even have to think about going outside of that network. So let's focus there. Let's shake the tree. Let's squeeze all the juice out of that first. And that's what we start with. And then instead of doing what I did back in the day, which was just wait till I had a deal and then charge in and trying to raise the capital last minute, Mm -hmm. let's be a little classier about this, right? So what I always recommend is, Start off by reconnecting with the people on this list, kind of on a personal level first, before we start talking real estate. I have a whole process that I go through that I call the connection resurrection. (laughs) The connection resurrection. And that's to, you know, revive some of these dormant connections, you know, old high school buddies and whatnot that you haven't seen for years or decades or whatever. Let's warm them up first before we start pitching deals, before we start throwing real estate opportunities across their desk, right? So we do a whole little automated email campaign that does you know, 90% of the heavy lifting for us. And then we've set the stage for the marketing. And then after that, even then we're not directly pitching deals to people to start the marketing. And here's what I like to do, Brian. I like to do what I call edutaining communication. Mm-hmm. So ideally a little bit 
educational and a little bit entertaining. A little bit educational, a little bit entertaining, and with a clear call to action. So we tell yeah. people exactly what we want them to do, right? So we send out the marketing material that might look like, so for example, we're doing this with clients. The first week of the month, it's going to be an electronic newsletter. Second week of the month, a short blog post or an article. Third week of the month, a short video, a video log. Fourth week of the month, maybe another blog article. Then the next month, drip, drip, drip. So every single week, a little piece of edutaining communication is going from you to that list of a couple of hundred people Mm -hmm. trying to create that curiosity. And the call to action is always the same thing. Hey, if you'd like to find out more, click here, book a call, book a call, book a call. Because the whole goal of everything we do here, Brian, is to get investor meetings booked, get people to book a call. By that, I mean a Zoom call or a face-to-face meeting where you can go through a presentation, get them enrolled, get them signed off on an expression of interest. So important notes about marketing because everybody screws this up. First thing we got to do is we got to recognize this. Let me know if this resonates with you, Brian. Yeah. Most normal human beings are not like us. I say this with love and affection. I mean, we're real estate entrepreneurs. I lovingly call us real estate weirdos. But let me ask you this. Have you ever gone out for beers with the buddies or whatever at a family get together and you start talking real estate and you see people's eyes kind of glaze over? Just have you ever had that experience? Every time without fail. It's it's usually (laughs) like a two sentence conversation. They start talking about baseball or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what we got to remember. That's where they're at. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. So the last thing they want is for us to overwhelm them with everything we've learned about real estate and everything that chat GPT can spit out about real estate on a regular basis. We don't want that. They don't want that. Mm -hmm. What they want is they want maybe a little gist of something that's hopefully somewhat entertaining. And they want to know that you know your stuff, right? And we want to really focus on what's in it for them. They don't care about learning all of the jargon. They don't want to learn everything you know about, Brian, I think you've got a lot of experience with rent-to-own deals and different things like that. They don't want all of the nitty-gritty, right? But the big picture overview, what's in it for them? How do we create that curiosity? And for them to understand that we are the experts. Do you have an example of what you might say or what you would say at a family party so that their eyes don't glaze over? Probably wouldn't say anything about real estate at said family party, right? Mm -hmm. I'd have all said family members on my email list. Yep. I'd be sending out this drip campaign and it would be coming out and then I would get them to come to me when they are interested, right? Now there's a way to speed these things up, Sure, but that's the big picture idea. Instead of us chasing after them, let's create the curiosity and let's get them coming to us instead. So at the family meeting, I wouldn't force it on somebody. But when somebody says, hey, Brian, how are you doing? And you've just done a really cool deal that's made you and an investor partner a lot of money. I say, great. Yeah. I just wrapped up one of our real estate deals and made a lot of money and got my investor a 56% return on their investment. How about you? How's things going for you? <laughs> yeah. Just a, <laughs> just a little I mean? blurb in there. Yeah. About the return. Yeah. And totally. then if they're not interested, great. Talk about baseball. Doesn't matter, right? No. But chances are that might, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? How did you do that, Brian? Yeah. Okay. So again, this is at the family get together. This isn't for everybody and anybody necessarily. That'd be kind of weird, but that's the thing. I did learn something years ago that would be valuable if you're out just kind of genuinely meeting and mixing with people. Mm -hmm. 
So Brian, back in the day when you were learning about real estate investing, did you learn about 30-second elevator pitches? I was in the elevator business in my W-2 job, so I had to have a strong- yeah, Maybe you invented it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I sold them. I sold elevators, so I had That's to have an elevator right. pitch. That's right. You had yeah. to have your elevator pitch. No, I'm talking about the sales pitch, right? That you're supposed to be able to grab somebody's attention in 30 seconds, yada, yada, yada. Yep, yep. I know. So we all learned about that. And I thought I had a good one. But challenge was anytime I went and used it, like at a chamber of commerce meeting or just with regular human beings, it just really felt weird, right? Because nobody talks that way. So a friend of mine had the same challenge with her elevator pitch. And finally, she came up with a great one. The next time somebody asked her, hey, Julie, what do you do? She said, I collect houses. That's it. That's all she said. Where credit's due. That lady's name is Julie Broad. Very, very smart lady. So I collect houses. And then the other person would be like, what the hell does that mean? What do you mean you collect houses? What do you mean porcelain houses? On It started the conversation, right? Yeah. Got the person leaning in, got them finding out more, right? So back in the day when I had my elevator pitch for rent to own, it was, it was some convoluted thing. It was pretty slick, but it just seemed weird. And hers is just so much... It's not even 30 seconds. That's a two-second elevator pitch, right? So I collect houses. I love less is more always, in my opinion. I would used to say, because again, the glaze over thing, I would just say, I own a real estate business. I'm a landlord, right? And then normally that would be enough for them to, like, if they wanted to lean in, they would ask me or a lot of them would be like, what do you mean? You're a realtor? I'm like, that's when I added the landlord. I own a real estate business. I'm a landlord, right? Then they yeah. know, okay, this guy's doing that. If they ask, they ask. If they don't, they don't. But you yeah. say that enough, enough people will lean in. But man, the I love, I collect houses. That's gold. Yeah. If you can come up with something kind of sexy like that. I had a person on my podcast recently and she came up with one. It was beautiful Yeah, because she's investing in Belize. And when people in Central America, people ask her what she does, she says, I just bought a beach. How can you not? lead in about that, right? Nobody so, ever says that. Nobody's ever said no. that to me in my entire life. So, But it puts the ball in the other person's court to ask a follow-up question, right? Yeah. That starts the conversation. Totally. Because inevitably, that's kind of like a, hi, how you doing? Yeah. What do you do for work type of thing? You know, that question's coming up. So if you- Yeah, which I'm a plumber, I'm an accountant, the boring, normal answer, which is what yeah. most people are accustomed to, you throw in a little zinger like that, it wakes them up, right? It starts right. that conversation. So important. That's a great nugget there, Dave. Okay. Now look, you teach people how to do this, right? This isn't like you said, you can't, we can, we'd have to probably have like six podcasts for you to be able to teach this. So how do we get the entire process? Cause there's much more to this than what you just gave us, which is a lot. I mean, the inner circle thing is huge. I was like really a million and a half to $3 million in your inner circle. That seems unbelievable, but I totally believe it. So how do we continue to get educated on this? Well, a couple of things. So number one way people can go to my website, which is moneypartnerformula.com. You can poke around there. You can learn stuff there, find out more. There's resources and whatnot. You can get a copy of my PDF copy, of my book, Money Partner Formula there as well. The other thing I've got going, which I had the pleasure of you being a guest on my podcast mm -hmm. is my podcast, which is called the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And who I'm really looking to interview these days, Brian, are what I call everyday people investing in real estate, mom and pop real estate investors. Mm. So if you're interested in getting some more exposure, stretching your comfort zone, being a guest on a podcast, that's a great way to boost your visibility and your credibility in the eyes of prospective investors, then go ahead. You can book a time to be a guest on my show. You can check that out at 
DaveInterviewsYou.com. DaveInterviewsYou.com. All these will be in the show notes, folks. So please don't pull over and start writing this stuff down. We'll have it in the show note links. And Dave is an amazing host. Obviously, he's a great guest as well, but he really did a great job with our interview. I'm looking forward to that one coming out. So definitely take advantage of that because it's going to give you some exposure, right? And then you're going to learn about how to raise private capital. This is a question that everybody asks. Like inevitably, you know, even if you got a bunch of money sitting on the sidelines, you are going to run out of cash. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it's always a good idea to have some cash on the sidelines in case of contingencies, right? So you want to have a little bit of a bankroll on the side. Totally. Completely. And there's, I think one of the other myths is, and maybe you could share a little bit of, uh, is that the money is scarce. Like people just have bad thoughts about money. Money's the root of all evil. There's not enough of it around. Like I tell people all the time, like there truly is literally money growing on trees. There's none (laughs) in my backyard, but there's money everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the stats are anymore, but the sheer amount of money in people's retirements funds, in the stock market, in home equity, in businesses, in savings accounts. It's astronomical. So yeah, some of the people that you hang around with might be in a scarcity mindset, but there are literally so many people, you know, even within your own existing network. That's why I say, don't just try to reach out to five or 10 people, create a list of 150 to 200 people, because we're not looking for all of those people to become investors. But out of that group, out of that group, there are somewhere between 10 and 30 people who can and will invest anywhere from 50 to $500,000 with you if it makes sense. So it's a matter of figuring out who those people are and how to get their attention. Yeah. And that's likely all you need for your deals, Dave, is 10 to 30, right? People. Oh, even less. Most people don't even need that many people, Brian, right? Because here's the thing. You do a good job. There's another thing you can check out on the website, on my website, is the lifetime worth of an investor. How much an investor is worth to you over your working relationship? That number will probably blow your mind. But bottom line, if you take into account repeat business, because if your investor's happy with you and the returns they're getting, well, then guess what? They're going to reinvest with you. They're also, if you're proactive about it, you're also going to be able to get testimonials and referrals to the people that they know as well. Yeah. They're going to tell their other people that have their friends that have money, right? So exactly. Exactly. this sounds like a super critical exercise for everyone to go through. We want to make sure everyone's going to the money partner formula and checking this out. I'm telling you guys, this stuff works. Money's everywhere. There's plenty of cash for your deals. Dave dropped some awesome nuggets about how to get started on your first deal proof of concept. All right. So let's just talk a little bit about, and then I want to respect your time here because we're wrapping up, but I know a lot of folks who want to get involved in real estate, right? They use the money block, but you're in a room with them. Like they want to do a real estate deal and they're just talking themselves out of it. Money, knowledge, you know, it won't work. I'm scared, whatever it is. Yeah. What advice would you lend to that group? Like, what would you tell them? And what might be a first step for them to kind of get them over the hump, if you will? Hmm. Yeah. Good question, Brian. I always recommend for people in that situation to go hang out with a bunch of active real estate investors. So chances are, if you live in a reasonably large town or city, there are local real estate investment clubs, RIAs, real estate meetups, what have you. Go check out a few of those and just kind of get the feeling of the whole thing. Take a look at the other people in the room who are actively doing deals. And when you start to get to know these people, you're going to realize that they're not superhuman. There's nothing exceptional about these folks. 
They've just got a different knowledge set and have developed a skill set that you don't quite have yet, but you can develop if you want to. So I think that's probably the biggest tip I would give Brian is surround yourself by people who are doing what you want to do. Great advice. Great advice. And yes, no, we are as much as of a superhuman as I would like to be. I am not any different or better than you. I just have, like you said, some skills and some knowledge and I took some action just as you did. So Great stuff, Dave. I, I think um, you're pretty super though, Brian. I'll, I'll well, give you that. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> it's Friday. You just made my day. <laughs> Dave, I, thank you so much for educating us today and, and giving pleasure. us some actionable, like these are actionable things that we can do. Everyone go to the website, follow Dave's podcast. It's really great. And Dave, I just want to thank you for sharing the time with us today. Everyone make it a great, great week. All right. Thank you, Brian. All right. That was another awesome episode. One of my more favorite episodes because Dave just gave you a bunch of gold uh, for you would-be real estate investors sitting on the sidelines thinking that you can't do it because of this whole money block, which is just something that you make up in your head. You have so many action items, so many action items that just came out of that episode with Dave, how to get your first deal. Like he gave you four different action items on how to get your first deal for different situations. Would it not be worth booking a call with Dave, going to his website to learn more about how you can raise private capital? Again, there's one and a half up to $3 million of available capital within your immediate circle of people that you either have a relationship or maybe it's fallen off. And he gave us some tips on how to do that. So I hope this episode serves you and we can continue to help you get over the money block when it comes to you doing real estate deals. Make it a great day.